troublesome. You know, when you think of the phrase, um, wise beyond your years, who do you think of? I mean, or what do you think of? No. <laughs> Thank you. That was a softball. And no, I was not thinking of myself on that at all. <laughs> no, I was not thinking of that. Oh, can we bring the house lights up too? That way I can see the people that are mocking me. <laughs> Usher? No. Come over here. Uh, number one, I think, is the one. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, there, oh, there he is. Okay. Great. Uh, so wise beyond your years, you know, typically dem- someone who demonstrates qualities of a person much more mature or advanced in years than they actually are, right? When we say that, right? Somebody, and occasionally you run into individuals who are, you know, uh, fairly young in their chronological age, but yet have a maturity and a wisdom about them that is beyond their years, right? And that's what we mean by that. And so uh, when I think about the psalm that we're going to dive into today, I, I think about that because um, this particular psalm, which actually, even though we're, we, we're calling this a particular uh, series, David's prayer journal, uh, we stole one from Moses's prayer journal because Moses has this one psalm uh, that's incorporated into the book of Psalms, and that is Psalm 90. So if you have your Bibles and you want to know where we're going to be or on your devices, we're going to be in Psalm 90 today. Uh, and really, uh, Moses is trying to, uh, as he sits in his later years, writing this psalm, is trying to help us see the perspective we need to have, right? Um, and you know, as much as we poke fun at, you know, sometimes if you're, if you're a little older, whatever that number is, I don't even know what that number is to make you older anymore because I have a sliding scale. Um, uh, you know, but, but, you know, as we say things to uh, maybe kind of a, or we speak to a younger generation, you know, sometimes uh, the, the response is, well, you're just an old, that's an old person thing. You know, you're just kind of spouting something. But I think the thing is, is that as we look at Moses' words, here is he's saying, listen, if you know, if you could know what I know sitting where I am now, uh, there might be some things you'll change, right? And you'll be wise. You'll be wise. In fact, um, in verse 12 of this psalm, which says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. He's really, that's really, he's wrapping that psalm up almost in that one verse. He's saying, listen, uh, help me to know that my days are limited here on this earth so that I could live in a way that is wise, all right? And so uh, with that idea in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to help make us that way, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank You so much that uh, You you love us as we, we sang so heartily that you love us. You demonstrated that love on the cross, Jesus Christ sending your one and only Son to die in our place for our sins. And Lord, we know that you love us. You have shown us that love time and time again. And certainly that act of sacrifice of Jesus Christ um, is, is just the greatest demonstration. And we thank you for that, God. And, and so, Lord, we just pray that as we 
we read Moses' words here, which consequently is, is the word of God. Uh, help us, Father, to really glean wisdom from him and to resist uh, the temptation to dismiss it as some old man talking to us, but to really see it as this is God speaking to us. And he really wants us to live in a way that we, would make, we may present to him on that day a heart of wisdom. And Father, we also want to lift up our church family, uh, people that are hurting. Uh, Lord, someone this week lost their spouse, and just it's heartbreaking. Uh, I just pray, God, you would just comfort them and help us to be a comfort to them. And, and Father, I just pray that those that are just hurting for all different kinds of reasons, physically, emotionally, spiritually having a tough time, uh, that you would grant them the grace and the mercy and the power to, uh, to seek you, to be healed by you, to be touched by you, uh, and to keep on in the faith. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, um, if you're new at Darby Creek, sometimes what we do is we stand up and, and, and speak the Word of God together in unison. This is one of those times. So if you're able to and are comfortable, please stand, and we will read this psalm together. Uh, again, Psalm 90, 17 verses, and let's read God's Word aloud. Let's listen to it here. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? How pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many days as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. My, I mentioned this, told my son when I was preaching today, there's been staying with us uh, and uh, I said, I'm preaching on Psalm 90. He said, so you're going to tell everybody they're going to die, aren't you? I said, yeah, it's, it's kind of exciting, isn't it? You know? Yeah, so he was really pumping me up to be here. 
But, uh, but certainly you do get a flavor of the brevity of life in that psalm, you know, and uh, I think it's good because sometimes we just kind of forget all that, you know. I mean, we forget uh, our own mortality at times because life's going on. We're paying the bills. We're struggling through sometimes. And in the midst of that, and, and honestly, if we're probably honest, we don't really like to think about death or talk about death. And, uh, you know, it's just, but it is a reality, uh, you know, in, in uh, this life. And so um, I, I see, uh, if you, if you kind of look at this, I, I kind of see this broken down. The first six verses uh, speak to us uh, that basically that, God is eternal, and it speaks to us about the brevity of life, um, the eternality of God, if you will. You look in the first couple of verses there um, where it says uh, uh, in verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth in the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And as I think about this and think about who wrote it, and Moses wrote it, right? And of course, uh, God chose Moses to lead uh, his people out of captivity, right? And he was the reluctant leader, uh, but he stepped up and God used him in a mighty way, um, in, in many different ways. But, but you know, they were wandering, right? Uh, of course, because of the stubbornness of God pe- God's people, they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years after being delivered from captivity, right? Uh, and so, I, I'm just thinking about, you know, here's the leader. He's leading them out in the wilderness there, and they're suffering the consequences for some of the choices they made, even after their deliverance there uh, from uh, Pharaoh's slavery uh, that he had enslaved them. Um, but I, I just think about how that first verse where it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Like, we didn't have a home <laughs> for 40 years, but God, you are our home. You're our home, right? And I, you know, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you know, He is your home. Like you are, um, as the Bible says, that we are citizens of heaven, right? Uh, it's, it's you, you know. Well, I'm not going to get into this, but you know, there's been a lot of talk about you know nationalism and Christian nationalism and all this kinds of stuff, and you know, really. I'm uh, just going to shoot straight with you. You're a citizen of heaven, and that's first and foremost, okay? Uh, that if, you, if you know Christ as Savior, that's, that's the one that really matters, okay? Nothing wrong with, I don't think, with patriotism and all those things, but you are a citizen of heaven. And as a Christian, that is something that should take priority, right? And so, um, as I look in the book of Philippians in chapter 3, Verse 17 to 21, it says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And it says, uh, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Now listen, so did you get that connection with earthly things, right? Now he says in verse 20 of Philippians 3, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, right? And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, well, you may be thinking, well, you know, he's been here. Well, no, he's coming again, right? And that's what he's speaking of, right? Uh, we're awaiting, you know, his second coming. That's what he's talking about. And he's saying, you know, God is our home, and you find him as your home through his son, Jesus Christ, right, by putting your faith in him. And so uh, when that happens, if you're going to have God's mind uh, on, the, on how to live life as you should as a believer, your worldview is going to change. And it's going to be that, it should be that, okay, the things of this world, material things, uh, are, are just tools, really. They're tools to live life, uh, and it's fine for those things to be enjoyed or whatever. That's totally fine. But those are not the end, all right? Those are to be used as a means. Um, money is, you know, is not, you know, yes, we have to have it. You got to pay the bills, right? But that's not to be the thing that we seek after is to see how much money we can make. Um, but our citizenship is in heaven, as he says. It's not, not we're not uh, citizens of this world. And so, Uh, Think about how it was in the wilderness there as they're wandering about, right? Everything was temporary, man. Today we're here. We're packing up the camels and the tents. You know, it's like camping every day. Now, Paul, you might like that, right? I mean, mean, people that like camping, right? I got some neighbors that got some, they got some campers, man. Uh, And uh, and they like to camp, you know, so it's like that every, every day, you know? And, and so you, you definitely live with this sense of a, a temporalness. It's, this is temporary, right? And um, so Moses is just trying to remind us that God is eternal. This is temporary. And when I just hear that he says God is our dwelling place, I'm just thinking that he's our home. He's, he's the one that we're really, uh, you know, living for, right? And so... Uh, that verse 21, it goes on to say in, in Philippians 3, it says, uh, in speaking about Jesus Christ, it says, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. I mean, this is a, this is a typical passage I would, I would uh, preach at a graveside service for someone, say, you know, that's a, you know this, this person's body, you know, as a believer or whatever, is going to be transformed and have Christ's glorious body in Christ. He was resurrected, right? And so uh, we see his body uh, as almost like a pattern, in a sense, of what ours would be like. Um, I don't know if we can walk through walls, but I just think that would be so cool because we do know that Christ did that kind of thing after uh, the resurrection. I don't know, but, you know, it's not about all the cool stuff, I guess. But anyway, I just think it would be cool, all right? Um, And I just wonder if we'll get that transporter thing down. You know, in heaven, can we transport? But I'm going to give her all she's got. Yeah. <laughs> all right, if you don't watch Star Trek, don't worry about that. Um, it's all right. Um, but we're not citizens here, and that means that, you know, we long for our home, and we hold loosely to the things of this world, right? And so God is eternal, and he mentions the brevity of life, right? Verse 4 is a very common quoted verse, right? For a thousand years are in your sight, or but as yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night, right? It's just like, it goes like that. 
And, I'm, and, and as you, if, uh, you know, and I feel this way, I'm like, where did the years go? My kids are gone out of the house. You know, I don't even remember parenting them. I think it was my wife. She just did it all. I, you know, I'm just, because I'll tell her sometimes, oh, we'll be out at a restaurant or something, you'll see somebody over there, and I'm like, oh, man, I remember that barely. Uh, but, or I like, I don't, I just, it just went like that, you know? And I, and I know that, again, that's an old guy thing. I know, I, but I'm just telling you, and Moses is telling us it's like that. So, um, you know, I think the challenge is to, to, to ask God to help us to be wise beyond our years. Help us to get hold of the brevity of life now, regardless of what your age is, regardless of what the timetable is God has for you on this earth, and to make the most of that, right? To make the most of it, all right? So, now, when you move beyond those first six verses, um, and we see here that the brevity of life has a beginning, uh, that there was there was a cause for this shortness and brevity of life. And he really does uh, dial us into that. And so if you look in your Bibles there, starting with verse 7, he says, for we are brought to an end by your anger, God, right? By your wrath, we are dismayed. And you're kind of like, well, why is God mad at us, you know? Well, glad you asked, because verse 8 answers, right? It says, you have set our iniquities... That would be like your sins, right? You have set your iniquities before, before you, our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence, right? And it says, for all our days pass away under your wrath, we bring our years to an end like a sign. And so you, you, we, we get the causation of this brevity of life is because of sin. This is one of the consequences of the fall, if you want to read about that, you can go back to Genesis chapter 3, and you can see what happened. The fall of man is, and it is called, right, where Adam and Eve sinned. And, and then uh, that sin has, if you will, infected the entire human race. Every person born has a sin problem, right? And, uh, of course, the theme running through the entire Bible is God's redemp- you know, redemptive plan uh, of, of redeeming us back out of the, in a sense, the consequences of that sin that we might be brought back into a, a right relationship with him. And that's why Jesus came. He was dying in our place because it should have been us there. His wrath was on us. But Jesus, uh, you know, he uh, being the perfect man, the God-man, uh, but man nonetheless, okay, lived the way we were supposed to live, and then offered himself up as the perfect sacrifice for us, right? Um, and so we, just, we are re- just reminded here in these verses that our bodies and lives are wearing down, and that death uh, is really not in the original natural order of things. That's not the way God designed that to be. Um, you know, uh, pre-fall days was, you know, the man and woman were walking with God in the cool of the garden, as it's described, uh, in in, uh, unhindered relationship with him, right? And so uh, then after uh, their sin, then they were 
taken out of the presence of God, right? That physical removal, uh, just demonstrating that also that spiritual separation from God, right? That that separation from God, and so, um, but these verses remind us of that that death is the effect of our turning away from God. Okay, and we all face that. Okay. Right, uh, it's 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 uh, everybody who lives dies, okay, and um, you know, uh, and so that's. But uh, you know, as we'll see here in a few, um, right? You you put your hope in Christ as your Savior to bring you back and to bring you into right relationship with God. Then you have an eternal hope, and you are a citizen of heaven. Then. Right, and and then you start thinking about having this different mindset that how I live here, I want to live here in light of there. Right, that's a totally different mindset than when you pick up a magazine and look at ads, and it looks like everybody's just you know living for the weekend or wanting to do this or that. Or and I get that. I mean, I I like the weekend too, but you know, it's it's like um, you know we you, we will really be disappointed. If that's all we're doing, like if those are, if like getting the stuff and the things and the and the and, and getting to the next rung on the ladder in your work, if that's it for you, you're going to be disappointed because it's just going to be okay. What's next? Right? Uh, we'll talk about what satisfies here in a moment. Um, but one pastor said, if we if we don't have this proper understanding of the effect of sin, uh, we will constantly be shocked by what. People and we, because we're always good at pointing that way, uh, will we'll be constantly shocked by what people and we are capable of and by how swiftly life takes away everything we love. And, you know, we'll be shocked by that if we don't have this understanding of why things are the way they are, right? Uh, sin affected everything. The, you know, you read Romans, it affected the entire universe, okay? The cosmos, if you will, okay? So... Um, so this just reminds us that that brevity of life that is are spoken of in the first six verses had an origin. It had a beginning, okay, and that's that's why it is. You know, why don't we live forever, right, in these bodies? Okay. All right. So, and so without this proper understanding of sin and its effect, we will not be wise in how we live. And remember, that's really. I think the goal of this psalm is to help us to know how we can live life wisely, right? Uh, so, but we have to have this proper understanding, all right? So, the third thing here in these, these uh, verses 13 to 17 is basically, um, you know, if you could put it in a, just one sense, it would be don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. That's also a title of a book, um, but... Uh, but don't waste your life. Make every day count by living with an eternal, God-honoring perspective. Okay, so, you know, the title of this message is just making the most of every day, and this is really where this psalm is headed, right? Let me just remind you what verses 13 to 17 say in that psalm. It says, Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. 
Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And so, you know, there you just have that desire, Lord, return. <laughs> you know, and I think probably during this whole COVID thing, I'm sure probably a lot of people were saying that were believers like, now would be a good time, Jesus, come on back. <laughs> we're kind of done with that virus, right? Um, but just that longing. Um, and, and notice that he says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. And there's, some, there's several uh, things that I want to talk about here in this in this last part that really talks about his, this, these prayer requests that we have, okay? He gets several prayer requests in that last uh, section of verses. And one of them, though, I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up to verse 12 to talk about, though, is, you know, verse 12 there, as he says, is teach us to number our days, right? That's a request. That's a request, you know, and so that should be our request. If we want to have this perspective, is say, Lord, you know, teach me to see uh, how brief life is. Remind me of that on a daily basis, right? Um, and so just recognizing that life is brief, you know, of course, Moses has been talking about that through the whole psalm, right? But, you know, I think just uh, not in some morbid way, but some motivating way is thinking about living this day as if it were possibly my last, you know, how I treat people, the priorities I have, living this day as if it's possibly my last would help me have that perspective of teaching me to number my days, right? Um, and so this first, his first prayer request here is help, you know, help me to make each day count for you, Lord. That's really the first prayer request, right? Put that up there for you. Verse 12. Um, there's a number of other prayer requests that he has in here to help us present to God a heart of wisdom. Um, but one is, uh, as he says in verse 14, uh, let me, uh, let's see here. I had the whole psalm printed out at one point. Oh, I know the Bible. I'm just being silly. Right? I know. She talked about having a comedian night or something, or yeah, you know, probably not a good idea for me to be up there. Yeah. So verse fourteen: Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all your days. And so you think about that as a request, you know. And the way I was thinking about it is kind of personalizing it as: Make me realize and experience your love, God as the only thing that will satisfy my soul, right? Is to, you know, because if, I, if I'm having that, not only knowledge, but experience that God's love and my relationship with Him are the only things that really satisfy my soul, um, then, then I'm not going to, I'm going to be holding loosely to the things of this world. I will be having an eternal perspective, right? So I ran across... This, uh, I never have heard of this hymn before. Uh, somebody mentioned it in a book I was reading, and I just thought, but the hymn is called, uh, Lord, Thou Hast Made Thyself to Me. That was a weird title to me. Uh, 
But, you know, so here's what it says. I'm just going to give you the first verse that stuck out to me in relation to this, you know, Lord, satisfy us, right? Um, it says, Lord, uh, I'll, I'll try to translate Old English here. You have made yourself to me a living, bright reality, more present to faith's vision keen than any earthly object seen, more dear, more intimately nigh than even the closest earthly tie. You know, that The writer of that hymn was just saying, God, I just want to only want you more than anything else, right? That, don't you hear that kind of like angsty, like, I want to be that way, God. Make yourself to me that way, right? And that's really, I guess, kind of the title of the hymn, right? Make, your, make yourself to me this way. Um, and uh, as I think about that uh, request of Moses in light of wanting to present God a heart of wisdom is to say, Lord, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Uh, you know, if God is the sole satisfaction, he'll be our joy. If he's not, he won't. Uh, I've had circumstances, you know, over the last year or whatever that just you know, you, sometimes you feel like you're just, you know, you're just getting blown around, man. It's like a tornado. <laughs> and, and, you know, the circumstances can be overwhelming and difficult. But um, by God's grace, if we're anchored in Him and He is our satisfaction, then He also is the one who will supply us with the joy in the middle of it. Um, and uh, just just want to throw this out here, you know, in the midst of the storm is, 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 is you want to work on this now, like before the storm hits, or if you're in one, it doesn't mean don't do this, okay? <laughs> doesn't mean don't seek to be satisfied by God, but I'm saying, you know, developing this, your walk with God, deepening it, right, uh, learning how to converse with Him. I mentioned about prayer with God here not too long ago, and just growing in your relationship with God is going to help you be satisfied in Him, right? And not to look for someone else or some other circumstance to come out for you uh, to satisfy you, right? So, so Moses is sitting there, uh, you know, in his, in his lazy boy chair, giving us some wisdom, and he's saying, you need to have your satisfaction in God because if you do, you will live every day like your last, and you will not hold on to the things of this world in an unhealthy manner, okay? And so I see that prayer there uh, as, a, as, as, as a prayer and, and also a challenge to us, right? He, he's challenging us to, to be that way. I can't find my... I'm really out of order here. There we go. It's, it's a struggle. Okay. So the third prayer here, um, and there are others, but these are the ones that really stuck out to me, is may our labor for you, Lord, be effective and enduring. That verse 17, right, that he mentions there, he says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. 
and establish the work of our hands upon us. And, and, and he, just for emphasis, he puts it in there again. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Uh, and, and in that verse, you can see that he's wanting, uh, he's saying, Lord, make the things that we do for you effective. Let them be effective and let them endure. Let them be things that will endure, that'll last time, over the time, right? That's a great prayer. You know, the things that we take on, whether it be as a church or the things that you individually um, decide to put your time into. Because that's really, isn't that really kind of what it comes down to? Is like your time, it's like your time and your money. Um, uh, the, you know, because the relationships take time investing in people. Um, and then money also gets things done for the kingdom as well. Uh, and so, those things, um, we, we ask, Lord, to bless them and to, that they would have a lasting effect, an eternal effect. And ultimately, you know, we want people to come to know Jesus. We want people to come to uh, a saving relationship with, with God through Jesus. That's what we want everything we're doing to, to link up to, right? And that's what, that should be your personal link to, right, is... Um, is that you want the people I'm sure around you that you love and care for and, and, and uh, have relationship with, you want them to know what it means to know the Savior. You want them to know how, how, what it means to be satisfied in God, right? That there is a, a, there's a place we can't see where we're headed, right? If you know Christ, uh, well, there's a place you can't see that nobody sees. It depends on whether you're going up or down as you see it, right? heaven or hell. Um, but it all has to do with what someone does with Jesus. And so, um, you know, just the thing I think about it too is at the end of the section and about this whole idea of our enduring work, things that will last, is 1 Corinthians, right, in chapter 15 is known for talking about the resurrection. That would be like a common Easter Sunday sermon passage is uh, 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul kind of recounts, you know, what happened with some of the post-resurrection appearances and stuff. Um, but then at the end of that, at the end of that, this is fascinating to me, in verse 58, he says, therefore, um, therefore, my beloved brothers, uh, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It's almost like in light of the resurrection and all that that means and all the power of the resurrection and someone who receives that by faith when putting their faith in Christ can do. Don't stop working for the Lord. Uh, and he doesn't mean your vocation. He just means like in whatever vocation you find yourself, do the Lord's work there, right? Seek out people. Share your faith with people. Pray for people. Let them see Jesus coming through in you, right? And he says, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Knowing that in the Lord, your labor is is not in vain. You know, uh, John 9, 4, Jesus mentions, he says, night is coming when no one can work. You know, there's things that here that we can do here that we can't do when we're with the Lord after we die. And we need to be about those things because night is coming and that he uses night as a description of, you know, after we're not here anymore, 
um, no, we can't do this kind of work. Okay? All right, because the time has passed for somebody to receive Christ. The time has passed for any witnessing, uh, for doing any ministry of that nature uh, to, to affect people for the kingdom. So he's saying now is the time. Now is the time. And when I read those words there in Psalm 90, verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom, uh, that's the challenge, right? Uh, trying with, by God's grace, every day to have this awareness, right? Um, how about we pray that the Lord would help us to have that awareness, okay? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Uh, you know, sobering to talk about death or the, the brevity of life, but, but also, though, to realize that, you know, we're still here, which means you still got, you've got stuff for us to do. So, to me, that's encouraging. Uh, and so, Lord, help us to, to live with this awareness that Moses, as he reflects back and wants to impart to us wisdom, Lord, help us to live in light of the fact that you are coming back. And, um, and Lord, help us to be satisfied with you. Help us, God, to grow deeper in our walk with you. And if we don't know how to do that, I just pray that we would latch on to a believer that's around us that uh, we believe is, is, is further ahead of us in their walk with you and just say, I want to know how to have a closer walk with the Lord or I want to know how to Spend time with the Lord. I, I don't even know what that means, but I'm willing to learn. But So that we might find our satisfaction, Lord, only in you. Um, and, and like the, the writer of that particular hymn, Father, help us, uh, as it said there, just to really uh, you know, become to us just a, a, a bright reality that we can. You know, every day, like, you're the thing that shines brightest to us. And so, uh, you know, we, we make jokes about, you know, running after shiny things, you know, things that are exciting to us. Or may you be the brightest to us tomorrow, today. May you affect our hearts and touch our lives in ways that would just really give us that reality and a proper weight of the brevity of life, but not, not a, a uh, over-concern with our death, but just, but just wanting to, to live what time we have in a way that's pleasing to you. And Lord, we need to hear from you. Each of us has things going on in our lives. We sometimes need to know what should, what's good to do, what's good not to do. What's, how should I use my time? How should I use the resources you've given me? Lord, let us um, live this life with a heavenly mindset. Give us your grace to do that. Uh, help us, guide us in Jesus' name.